You're listening to the LaunchCast, your favorite podcast on the planet, brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. We're talking leadership, business, life, and growth right now as the countdown starts. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the LaunchCast, episode 308, The Food Speaks and So Does Chef. I have been waiting weeks to bring this one to you guys. Goosebumps, excitement, my guest is laughing over there in the green room. I am so excited, but first... It's the Launch Dad himself bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet. Leadership, business, life, growth, right now as the beat drops. What is shaking, everybody? George Andriopoulos back for another episode of the LaunchCast, another leadership interview, and I've been promising you this one Four weeks I've been hinting at it and why I'm super excited right now is that our guest is right here in the studio this is the first time I've had an in-studio guest since since season one since March beginning of March of 2020 first time we have an in-studio guest so I'm so excited about this and I want to just jump right into this so I'm gonna do the quick intro and then I will bring this gentleman on screen we have today chef Mark Bynum Mark Anthony Bynum three-time chopped champion was born and raised on long island among four siblings the initial draw to him becoming a chef was watching his mother cook for the family and loved ones he observed the joy on people's faces while eating he also had a gift with his hands and i can attest to that i have eaten this man's food incredible even at an early age and he has translated that to the presentation of his dishes we're going to go through all the rest during the interview so let me let me bring this guy on screen right now there he is What's happening, my man? What's going on, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. So great to have you. So first of all, I want to do this. Hold on, my mic is blocking my video here. You got the shades. I noticed those yeah. on, on the interwebs. <laughs> Hold on. Let you me okay. get my... You already know. Right there. That's right. Yeah. You know, even in death, I'm the hero. <laughs> Tony Starks. <laughs> Tony, we got the Tony Stark vibe today. I had to bring these out. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for being here, buddy. I appreciate you so much, man. Likewise, likewise. You got right. a nice setup. I love the intro. The intro was dope. You got me hyped. That's right. That's what it's about, <laughs> man. We had uh, Last week, we had this guy, Joseph Carella, on. He's got this company, 567 Broadway, and he was, he was in the green room virtually, and he's like bopping along the whole time. He told me he was actually going to create a TikTok to our theme song. So <laughs> let's see if that happens. Heard that. Yeah. All right. I want to jump right into it. First question we always ask of our guests, Mark, are you a leader? Um, yeah, I'm a leader. I, I don't think there's any question about that. I like, I, I, like, I like leading, I guess. Yeah. I like creating. I like creating and putting things in place. Tell, me, tell oh. me about leadership to you. Tell me what is your definition of leadership? Um, 
it's progressed over so long. I think if you were to talk to me a couple of years ago, uh, it would have had to have been a person that's super duper strong, leads by just telling people what to do all the time and not necessarily referencing the needs of the people, but knowing them. Um, yeah. Now, more mature, I would tell you, the person, you know, takes everything into consideration, uh, over, oversees people, understands everybody has a different voice, knowing that their vision lines up with your vision so you can be better people. And not, it's not just about monetary. I think that money drove me for so long. A leader isn't one that's driven by money. He's driven by purpose. And, and that's, what, that's, that's what a leader is to me. So I'm driven by a purpose. So, yeah, I'm a leader. Yeah, I, I love hearing that. So I want to dive deep into that before we get into the whole timeline here like we do on the launch cast. Um, I've heard you say before, and, and you talked about this a little bit in your definition of leadership. I've heard you say before publicly that you are not the easiest person to work with or work for. But if you want the job done, you're going to get it done. Tell me your truth in that statement when it comes to leadership, because I know as a company, uh, as the owner of a company with employees, as a, a man that I consult for companies with large amounts of employees, I know there are so many nuances um, in not only being an employer, but being a leader, a person that stands up in front of people and shows them how to, how to best do something. Tell me your truth in, in that statement of why you can lead while not necessarily being the easiest person to work with? Um, because I oversee the vision. Like, I don't... One of the best parts of being a leader is being able to see different sides of it. Yeah. One of the worst parts of being a leader is being able to always see the different sides of it because not everybody's always going to be happy. You know what I'm saying? When when you're striving for, for something, because there are so many nuances in people. Like, everybody wants to get to Z, but they have their offshoots, and their offshoots might not always align with being at Z. I try and shade all of that out, be as, I wanna say complimentary as possible and, and knowing the needs of all the people and, and letting them know from the jump. You're not always gonna like what what I'm going to tell you, that I was going to like what I do. But if this is our goal, and this is our goal, and this is where we want to be, this is what needs to be done. And I'm not always happy with that, because as a leader, you're not always going to be happy with the outcome either. But if it met the needs of the people that's, that are following you, and it continues to move you along, then that's what you have to do as a leader at that time. So, so we may be leaders, but we're human beings also. And so this, this is something that always interested me uh, about you because I sort of came from the same place. Mm -hmm. um, I tried to really evolve early on in this, but the, I don't know, the first eight or 10 years of my career, my professional career, man, I knew what I was doing, right? Like I, I was so good at what I did, but in terms of being a, a boss, being a manager, I was fucking horrible, bro. Like I was but, the worst, the worst. How, how do you reconcile that as a human being? Because I know at the end of the day, and people don't realize this, sometimes if you have to be hard on an employee, if you have to be hard on the people you work with, the vendors you work with, whatever, in order to bring excellence to the table, that you can't always be the nicest human being. But at the end of the day, what they don't realize is you, you go home and you're in your thoughts. Like, you feel that. You don't want that necessarily. So how 100%. do you reconcile that at the end of the day for yourself? Sometimes you don't. 
like certain things just don't get you back to zero and as a leader you take you take on those things as a person i'm saying it's not necessarily as a leader like i'm saying there's some great people that that do those things but sometimes you don't reconcile them you know in hoodlum i remember it was right after uh bumpy killed the guy and then the guy that worked for Duck Schultz was coming down the stairs and Bumpy asked him, he was like, how do you sleep at night? Because he was ultimately going against his people. He was like, how do you know that I sleep? Like, <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't know the thoughts of the person that's leading you, you know, for the most part. You can try and empathize with them. You can try and understand them. But, you know, everything isn't reconciled. It's not. And you got to deal with your demons. You got you to gotta sit on your couch and hopefully you have... Hopefully you have a release and it's manageable. But the demons that we have as leaders, you know what I'm saying? Those are the unspoken things. Yeah. You know, those are the things that you keep at home, hopefully to your spouse and hopefully to your, your help me and your inner circle and it doesn't leave. But, you know, us as leaders are just as fractured as the people that we lead, you know. And then, you know, hopefully they become better leaders because they've seen our fractures and fixed them. You know, and hopefully we fix them together. I think that just as much as as we lead, we're led by the people that we lead as well. Because I'm a different leader than I was 10 years ago based off of the people that have come into my space and created the person that you see before you. The 24-year-old chef versus the 42-year-old chef are two totally different people. You know what I'm saying? It's introspective. And as a leader, you always have to be learning. As a leader for me this year, I've learned I'm not learning enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah, love that. Um, when you look back to all of the people that you've dealt with throughout the years, because I know this is something that for me has weighed on me. I have left people inspired. I have left people angry. I have left people bitter. I have left people fulfilled. I mean the entire spectrum uh, uh, in people that I've worked with, and, and not just work, work, projects, right? Extracurricular stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your hope for the mark that you left on them as a leader years later? And, and especially to those people that you've worked with that you have not necessarily ended on the best of terms with. Um, as far as people that work with me, what, what they'll get from it. Yeah. That they understood the motives. Um, and that as a kid, for me, from my situation, as a kid, all I thought about was, was owning. All I thought about was being a boss and working to have and wanting to fulfill the needs of others. Um, the weight and the brevity yeah. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that, you, that you have when you're running multiple restaurants, everybody is like, you know, it becomes difficult. More than one thought that they were ready for. Uh, but going through it as best as you could and navigate, no maliciousness ever. Yeah. Um, I think that, and the people that work for me that I've been hard on, Based off of my upbringing, based and it's no, it's not an excuse, and that's why you have to to learn how to go outside your boundaries. But based off of how I grew up, like 
there was one there was one sound and it was yelling <laughs> <laughs> so so that's the way i led you know and it's that's my voice yeah. you know and as they grow up like i every, every chef that's worked with me is doing great things yeah and they and they tell me and they, they'll tell me now like yo you were hard but i understood it yeah. and it's it's a lot of people that look like me I'm harder on my people than I am on anybody else. Sure, um, because I know what they go through. Uh, yeah. As as a, as a cook, you know, growing up in an industry that doesn't look like me, and being young, it was it was nice. It was it was nice to then employ and hire people, but understanding if it's not me, somebody else is going to take you, and they're not going to be as nice to you. And the fact that I know what. I know what you need as a person. Yeah. You know, and I try and help you grow as a person because when you get out there, they're going to say certain things to you. Yeah. And it's not going to be nice. So, so I took a deep, deeper dive in this part. This is always fairly quick, like, you know, one or two sentence answer from our, from our guests and then we move forward. But I took a deeper dive because I know you, right? And we're going to mm -hmm. get into, uh, you know, the background. We're going to start at the beginning mm -hmm. um, in a minute. But I know you and I know that, you have always been driven for success and that you were sometimes misunderstood in that drive. Yeah. And sometimes understood very well and you've owned up to that you haven't always been the nicest guy, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I've, I've had that same uh, journey. And so I find it interesting to dive into the topic of leadership when it comes to that because we don't always hear that part of it. We don't always hear about the the collateral damage along the way. Yeah. And people need to understand that it's not just for other people that collateral damage. Like we feel that too as yeah. leaders. Like we get it. We I don't think any leader out there go wakes up in the morning and intends to mess up somebody's day or ruin somebody's if, life. If if they if they really want to be a real leader. Yeah. You know, if if the, if that's really your calling. No, and they shouldn't feel that way. And Everything, everything that I try and do is always purposeful. Yeah, you know. So yeah, yeah. So so let's go back to the beginning. We're gonna go, go all the way back. We're gonna go back to the Dale, right where back we are right day. now. <laughs> back in the day when I was yeah. All right, we can't. I would love to play that song. But <laughs> I was about to say it'd be a great. I cannot <laughs> heard that. Uh, so Farmingdale, New York, right? Same same time I same town I grew up in. You yeah. and I went to the same elementary school, high school, the whole deal. A year yeah. apart. Um, what was childhood like for Mark? Um, for, for childhood was fun for me. You know, I did I did what I wanted to. My parents my parents were very very good in that regard. You know, we went to church. You know, everything was everything was family. Everything was family. Like my my brother and my sisters. Everything we did together. And uh, childhood was just good. <laughs> like walking around the neighborhood, going back into the factories, which are right over here, and getting cookies, and going to the toy factory, and then bikes, you know, the bikes, right? the, the hills. <laughs> oh man, always getting a bike. My bike got stolen. My dad went out and bought me another bike. Like, yo, life was, life was, life was all right. You know, everybody having dance contests in the front yard on Saturdays barbecues in the backyard going to ci with my cousins yeah yeah like <laughs> everybody was in the wagon bro like everybody was in the wagon i always wanted to sit in the back because then you know back in the day you know you would sit in the, the other way 
So you'll be sitting there. Yeah. You'll be looking at the traffic coming at you. And that's where I like to go because I like to sleep in the car. I still freaking fall asleep in the car. Oh, my gosh. But and by yeah. the way, I remember that wagon. <laughs> I remember because I, I worked in a, in a deli right down the block here that, that Mark's family used to go to. I remember that wagon. Yeah. Uh, what was it like? A, not a yeah, Caprice. It was, it was, it was a Capri, Capri, bro. Capri, Chevy. Yeah. Chevy all day, bro. <laughs> My mom and, and dad sure still drive was, a Chevy, bro. There was a religious bumper sticker on it, yes. right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And then she got, the, and then she got one with engraved. Yeah, my mom. Yeah, we would get into a car accident. Boom, she'd go get another Capri wagon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We had those stuff with the paneling on the side at first, but you know what I'm saying? She got smart because if you get into a car accident, then you got to replace the whole paneling. So then we just got the Capri wagon with no paneling. And then she said, "Be still and know that I no. Be still and know that was the scripture on the back." Yeah. Yeah. And it was church. Church every Sunday. Long church Sundays, bro. <laughs> every Sunday. Yeah. It was a it was a first service. We would have to go to first service. Then there was like a second service and then there was like a third service. And then there was like a fifth service. <laughs> yeah. And then we would have to eat and then that's you know, that's where everything came about. Like it was food and church. Food and church. My mom was always cooking. My yeah. mom was always cooking. If she wasn't cooking for the family, she was cooking for the church. We're gonna we're gonna talk about your mom in a minute. Um, She's you've, dope. You've you've talked about uh, before in other interviews that I uh, in preparation for this that I was listening to and watching. Uh, you've talked about you know your experience Farmingdale High School. You called it a diverse melting pot and and said that it was a really great place to come up in. Um, I'm just curious and and I want to talk about this a little bit later later on because I want to reference an episode of uh, Hot Takes on a Plate that you did with Rob Patron from mm-hmm. Restaurant Hunter. Yeah, yeah. Um, Great, great episode, by the way. And I know that that wasn't the full episode. I hope he actually releases the full episode one day. But he <laughs> he shifted that episode, um, you know, after the the murder of George Floyd to uh-huh. uh, to talk about race in in the food industry. Um, you know, I've interviewed other people from our hometown, and I did that How to Be a Human Being series in in uh, season one. Um, and I'm not saying people had a different experience than you, but. Man, I've I've talked to a lot of people of color of all different colors that have had horrible experiences growing up here. Mm-hmm. Talk about that for a minute and and how you've taken that into into adulthood because I I kind of I see your perspective um, on can, race. Can I can I please? Farmingdale High School was horrible to me, bro. Yeah, I should have been playing basketball somewhere D one. Yeah. No BS, whether it be football, whether it be basketball. Farmingdale was not good to me. It was diverse in the fact that you had ESL. You had, like, if you, if you learned how to maneuver in Farmingdale High School and in Farmingdale, you would know how to maneuver in life because the ones were the ones, the twos were the twos, and the threes were the threes. Yeah. So if you can maneuver with the one, twos, and threes, you're good. If you can't, you can't make bread. And that's what it's about. So my take on Farmingdale is the same take of us marching up and down these streets. Yep. My same take is still a take that I dealt with when I was in, when, when I was in high school and they, they tried to stop my money there. When I opened up my restaurant on Main Street, they tried to stop my money there. It's not, I, I, say, I said it because everything is what you take from it. Sure. If you want, if you want it to be where Farmingdale destroyed my life. Yeah, Farmingdale destroyed my life. Nah, Farmingdale created who I am. You know what I'm saying? It made me the business person that I am. It made me be able to walk in different avenues. I could speak, I could speak to my people. They, they, know, they know who I am. I could go 
to the bodega. They know who I am. Right. I could go to Viceroy. They know who I am. And it's respect all across the board. Yep. You gotta you gotta know how to move on all pieces of the board. Because you just can't make bread on one part of the town and not be able to you can't exist that way. Not right. in my life. Right. Not not for the life of the family and the legacy that I wanna build. And my mom went here. My my grand my grand my, my, my uncles and my aunts went here. Like we are all Farmingdale. My son graduated Farmingdale High School. And but we know what it is. We know how to move. You have to be able to move in every arena because, one, that's what leaders do, and that's how you build your legacy. Farmingdale created who we are, and we're successful. You're successful. As bad as it was, it created us. Your, your story is different than my story. We had race wars in, in Farmingdale High School. Right. They, they, they shot bullets. They, like, they shot guns, you know what I'm saying, in front of the high school. In, like, when, that, was, that was our year when Farmingdale got shot up over here. Like, they don't talk about those things, you know? Like, they, a lot went down. But yeah. you, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta observe and you gotta still, you still have to move forward. You can't stay. When you, when you talk about moving forward, and, and this is what I really wanna dive into here, and we'll, we don't have to spend too much time because I'm gonna talk more about this later, but when you talk about moving forward, um, you seem to have this um, perspective that's, unique right because you're you're speaking for a lot of communities now right you're speaking for men black men entrepreneurs mm -hmm. black business yeah. owners right there's so many communities that you that you represent as a human being um and to kind of go out there and say take my experience and let it build my future take my experience and learn from it and and make a better future for myself what's the difference between that person and the person that fixates on the experiences um, as opposed to taking those experiences and trying to create change with them, trying to grow from them? I, I, I would definitely have to say the team around you and your foundation. Like who, like I, I was raised in the church, you know what I'm saying? I preach, I still preach, but I don't call it preaching. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's the foundation that we have. Like growing up, you know what I'm saying? In this town, like the group home was right there and those were my boys. Like they're still my boys to this day. I see, I see any of them. It's love every every day. I don't, I don't hold the grudge, and I think it's your perspective on harboring the hate. Like the difference between me and a person that wants to harbor it is, what is it? What is it doing for you to just hold on to it? You're holding on to that hot coal, and you're burning yourself for what? Yeah. But it's. And having people that you can talk to, like I used to, I used to think it was cool to be like the Lone Ranger. No, you're weak, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. like you, you, you can't grow that way. And I think that you have to have real people around you. And I could speak this way because I was the guy that just wanted to hold that rock, and it, it fueled me for a long time. But it didn't help me grow, you know. So the team that I'm building around me, the the people that I've let go of that were holding me back. You know what I'm saying? That's the difference now. And, and I would tell the people that are harboring it, like start to pull back those layers and see what's there and what's halting you from your progress. Wolverine, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? There was something, he had this, every, everybody has greatness in them. Pull it out. And then if it's not, if it's not moving you forward anymore, then you have to then go back 
and see what's holding you up from your growth, help people pull it out of you, so then you can grow better. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's the difference. You got to right. get a strong team. Everybody needs a team. You know what I'm saying? You're alone in this world. That, that's, that's not a good place to be. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And then you, you left that school basically uh, with a mission. Um, I yeah. want to touch on, for one second, you, you did the BOCES program, right? Vocational. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, for culinary. Yeah. Right? I think it's so important to, to mention this, not because this was part of your journey and your education to, uh, to being the chef that you are today, because your real education was doing it yeah, right yeah. that was your real education but um i love boces by the way shout out to all the vocational schools that are still open that's what i want to talk about how important is it for people to understand right now that college is not the only path college is not the only path you, you can make a lot of money in a trade farmingdale high school will not let me go and speak because of my stance on vocational school in boces <laughs> shout out to farmingdale high school <laughs> Shout out to my alma mater. <laughs> <laughs> who, but by like, the way, who, by the way, is playing Massapequa in the semifinals on Friday. Can't wait. Oh, I love the team. My son, <laughs> son played for him. But, like, you know, they, they opened up. Like, BOCES is super duper important. That's my only formal education. And um, Farmingdale asked me to go speak when they opened up the kitchen because they have a kitchen in Farmingdale. It's dope. It's, I've never seen it, bro. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and what, a food truck yeah, they have, And too. a food truck. <laughs> where they get the idea from? Oh, my gosh. So a kid comes into the restaurant on Main Street one day. He was like, hi, Chef Bynum. Hi, how are you doing? He was like, we made your short ribs in class today. I was just like, you made my short ribs in class? Yeah, we pulled uh, uh, your recipe offline and we made it in class. So my alma mater which has me up the road, can call me at any given point and ask me for stuff because I was giving stuff to the football team. and the, the uh, Hey, Chef, you want to come in and cook ribs? Or you want to come <laughs> in and cook uh, short ribs for the kids? But so they, they opened up the kitchen and they're talking about how they're not going to allow the kids to go to vocational school anymore because they're going to be doing it in-house. I was like, okay, so who's the chef? Who's, who wrote the curriculum? No real answer. I was like, so are they going to be wearing chef clothes or... And then the kid comes in with his pants on his butt. I was like, yo, pull up your pants. And he looked at me and laughed. I was just like, if this kid is supposed to be coming to my kitchen yeah. in like two years, right. I was like, he's not going to stand a chance. I said, my mom had to buy my checks, my whites, my knives, my hat. I was like, it was an investment. I said, I went from Farmingdale. I stopped playing basketball, bro. I stopped playing football. You know what I'm saying? Among other reasons. But like, I, I went to Levittown Memorial Educational Center. You know, we were there for half the day. Like, it's a different mindset. Sure. You know, they're not going to get the same if they don't go to a vocational school and work with, you know, right. vocational training. And you don't have a real curriculum. And you're not even bringing in the people that went through the system to help build the system. Right. That's for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, no, but vocational education, yes, there's trade. You make so much. Like, nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah. And... That, that trade, those vocational schools, nobody, not everybody's going to college. And you can make good money. Yeah, you can make six figures. You yeah. can make seven figures. Like, you build yourself a company. You learn how to run a business. Learn how to run a business is important. Make sure you have a strong team. See, everything comes together. Let me, let me give you all business 101 here because Chef is, is talking my language <laughs> right now. I'm going to put the camera on me right now. Listen to me. When you start a business, when you go do something, 
you have to fill a gap in the market. If nobody out there is becoming an electrician and a plumber, a construction worker, whatever, guess what? There's a gap in employment there. So you can go out and do this thing and make a ton, ton. of dough. Ton of dough. Get that bag. Yeah. Get that and bag. If you're really doing it good, you're working Monday through Saturday, half the day on Saturday. You're off on Sunday. You're gonna be you're in high demand. I'm building restaurants all over the place. I can't get good contractors, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough. tough. We're dealing with it right now. We're doing a whole bunch of work and people don't show up, people yeah. don't call back. I'm like, do you not want <laughs> the money? I have never like, it's like you wanna spend the money. Yeah. You you wanna do the business. You can't but you can't grow the business because there's no skilled hands, yeah. plumbers, electricians, pipe fitters, getting to the unions. Bro, if I was, and I'm, and I'm going to tell everybody, if you get into the union when you're 19, by the time you're 39 and you get out and you do your 20, you can start a totally second career. Yeah, yeah. And you got a pension, 401k, if that means anything. Then you could be an entrepreneur. You could plan to work and work the plan. That's that Robert Kiyosaki, mind your own business. You yeah. better learn how to maneuver. If There were so many things I would have done different, bro. Yeah. Yeah, keep make, make sure it. make sure make sure you keep your credit good. <laughs> Jesus, I started off with bad credit. I'm a black man, but make sure you keep your credit good. <laughs> We're gonna get into all that. You talked about skilled hands. Speaking of skilled hands, let's talk about Arnetta Bynum, Arnetta Bynum Williams. That's my mama. Yo, the dopest lady walking the planet is named Arnetta Bynum Williams. I, yeah. I've watched some great interviews with you where you talk about her and and the influence she had on you. I've heard. Uh, stories about how she once told you that you need to get yourself a food truck. I've heard her give you advice yeah. that I know you didn't listen to, where she said, start small, but yeah. do your own thing. <laughs> yeah, all of those things. And she's she's the most, she's my biggest fan and my biggest critic. But she's the only person that could, not, not anymore, there's a little girl that walks around this earth that's about three years old that commands me at the drop of a hat. But, you know, my mom, my mom says some profound stuff, but my kids do too. My mom is so dope. That lady is the best. She, she's the mom of the neighborhood. Yeah. Like she would bake cookies. She would like, I'm like, ma, they don't need to be talking for an hour. <laughs> you need to go home and get something to eat. Like word. Like she, but I'm my mother's child. Like now I see myself, like her heart is my heart. And then like, I, I see how it affects me. I see how it affects my kids. I, I see how it affects my, my middle son. Um, but that lady, like, she's she's dope. Yeah. Like, she's dope for real. Like, she's she's the reason, she's one of the reasons why I am who the person that you see before you. Like, she's instilled in me this, you know. Uh, the other one is is my Aunt Joni who passed. And, uh, like, the women in my life, they, my sister. My yep. sister's my boss. <laughs> <laughs> She's a scary person. <laughs> I know your sister. <laughs> like yeah, like always sweet to me. Yeah, though. and I and I think that that's that's affected my relationship with with women as well. Like I need a strong woman in my life to not tell me what to do, but tell me what to do. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So shout out to the women in my life. Shout out to the women in Mark's life. And, and <laughs> although she she built that foundation for you, she was kind of the beginning of it all for you, mom. Mm -hmm. Um. I've heard you talk about how much you appreciate your dad now, James Clinton Williams, senior. Senior, yeah. Senior. Shout out to my dad. Um, he's don't. Yeah. Shout out to my dad. I used to think like he, yo, know, he held it down. Like when when I think about how hard it is to to be a provider, and how he provided for me, 
and my siblings. Like there was four of us. So there's five. So there's five of us. That's that's a seven person household. Yeah. And my mom and dad, they did it. They did it to the best of their abilities. And, you know, I sit and talk with him now and I remember it was right it was right when the BLM movement and George Floyd happened and I had just got finished speaking at the the event in Farmingdale and I came home and and he sat and he spoke with me. My dad's my dad's up there. I don't I don't even know. I think he's like seventy, seventy one. Um and he finally started to open up to me about growing up in Alabama, growing up in sundown towns and there's certain towns that you didn't go to and and I'm just like, yo, I'm forty years old and you're finally telling me these things. Like the trauma of that situation, you know, but also seeing how my dad moves. Like my dad my dad don't let nothing affect him. You know, yeah. my mom would be yelling at me. He'd be like, Yeah, okay, Netta. Like, you know, that's and that's that's profound for me. Yeah. You know, because I always used to say I didn't have a person to look to. I didn't have a I had didn't have a man in my life to look to. That's a lie. I didn't look at the person that I was supposed to be looking to. Who was taking care of me? Who was taking care of my brothers and my sisters? I love that man. Yeah. It's a it's sometimes a it's sometimes a a, a quiet presence that has the the most profound effect on you. I, mm-hmm. I always said that about my dad too. Um when my dad retired from uh, being the head custodian of an elementary school here in Farmingdale, 30 years of cleaning toilets to put food on the table for us, um, it wasn't until he retired where I kind of realized like his slow and steady way of just playing it safe and just being a family man was a lesson that I needed to learn, mm-hmm. right? The humbleness of it. Uh, and I remember it came when I sat uh, you know, he was retiring and, and uh, I went to a financial planner with him a year before to start planning for his retirement mm-hmm. and, and the whole thing. And I, I sat down and looked at everything. I was like, damn it, you did it, man. Like, you're in better shape than I am. Yeah. <laughs> you're cleaning toilets. Like, yeah. and, and, and you kind of go like, wow, like, this is a big lesson here. Yeah. You know, this is a big lesson where you, you, you did it your way. We always argued about about the risks I was taking and, and and all that kind of stuff, but look what you built after yeah. all those years. And what, but what he did was allow you to take those risks. Yes, correct. You know what I'm saying? I, and for me, like I see it, but for what I want for my, what I want for the future, is is too great. Like somebody has to take that leap. Yeah. You know, to build that generational legacy, that generational wealth. You know, somebody. Like, I, I need to know that my heirs on heirs on heirs are taken care of based off of the foundation that we built now. Yeah. And that's important to me. Yeah. Because the struggle, everybody's struggle is going to be different. But the financial struggle totally changes your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Like, to have to, to, have to know, well, what bill am I going to pay or what bill is this going to, how I got to maneuver this. When you got money in your pocket, you just move different. And you can think different. And the, the freedom in that, that's, that's why it's important for me to lead. Yeah. You know, because I know how I felt when the money was tight. Like, you know, the mad king. And then depending on the responsibility, you know, it changes, it changes your thought process. And in business, if, you're, if your business is run by fear, you won't be able to grow it. Yeah. And if you run your life through fear, you won't be able to grow. Yep. Everything works hand in hand. Here's here's something to, something to 
to think about something that I learned along the way, and I think this could be beneficial. Um, we we both had our moments, right? Mm-hmm. We we have both hit a big. We have both fucked up majorly. Um, oh, we majorly. can curse on here. Oh yeah, yeah, we can curse on here. <laughs> this ain't church. <laughs> this is my church. Mother- nah, my mama gonna watch this. Uh, she ain't gonna bust me in the head. I see you, mama. <laughs> you know, um, there's a certain amount of of guilt that comes with falling down sometimes, right? And and experiencing what we've experienced, the highs and lows, the guilt that comes with, you know, sometimes the, the, the people that, that had to ride those lows with us. Mm-hmm. And then when you start to really think about legacy, legacy for your kids and building what you're going to build, there's like this responsibility yeah. of I need to build something where they don't have to go through this. But there was a point where I realized like I need to start letting go of that guilt and some of that responsibility because if they're going to be great, if I consider myself great and they're going to be great like me or better than me is my hope, they need to experience it. I need to be okay with them going through the stuff. I hope they don't go through the same stuff I went through, but I need to be okay with them building their own thing. Yeah. And that, you know, that is true. And I, I let my kids, I, I rule my kids like a demigod. Like, you know, I'm Zeus and he's Perseus. <laughs> <laughs> there is a demigod in all this. <laughs> Perseus. You know what I'm saying? That's, but that's how I look at my kids. But I let them go through their struggle. All of them. Like my son is up at school right now, struggling to understand the value of a dollar. But, but you know what I'm saying? I let them go through their struggle, but there's certain things that, they need to have in place that they're still going to grow. Right. But everybody should have a parachute. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Whether they know it or whether they don't know it. Like right now, we got people jumping out of planes with no parachutes. Some of them are surviving, some of them aren't. But, you know, if, if nobody survives and there's nothing, that means that the next generation has to then start at nothing again. Right. I want it to be where there's something that's built, the name. You know, my sister goes into places. There was like buying them, buying them, buying them, buying them. Chef, buy, buy. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain, there's a certain strength to that, and right. that's that's what you need to build. That goes way beyond financial. You know what I'm saying finance can only get you but so far. Like the name behind or the strength behind your name. That's what you know. what I'm saying my sister, she has her own arena. Me, I have mine. My right. younger brothers, like it's it's not just buying them. It's buying them Williams. So it's by will. That's the and. And we're tops at what we do. My sister is no joke. Like right. my brothers, they're no joke. But you know, it's it's all about it's about that freedom, freedom to do. So yeah, I want them to go through some bullshit. Yep. And we're <laughs> and we're coming from two different places. We may have had similar experiences, yeah. but and we may have both come from from very humble yeah. means. But I get that we had different experiences. Mm-hmm. I didn't pay the black tax. Yeah. You know. You know what I'm saying? And and that's understand. <laughs> but you know, but there's all but. But depending on where you wanted to go, you would have had to pay a tax. There's always a tax to pay. Sure, sure. You know, it's just that some are higher than others. But there's a lesson to be learned here. Uh, you, you heard Shaq's newest quote last week about his kids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that's been that's been a while. But that's yeah. But that's what it is. He's like, I'm rich. You're not rich. <laughs> he said, I'm rich. You're not so rich. He, no, you're not gonna go and get that Tesla. He's like, you better go get that charger. But he's gonna give them something. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's people around here that their parents are saying, No, I'm not gonna give you. But there's nothing that they can give them. Yeah. Yeah. Except for work hard and hopefully, eventually. When is eventually? Right. Eventually is now. Eventually right. is now. 
Now is eventually now. Yep. So yep. there is no eventually. Yep. And there's enough things out there for people to do to break a cycle, to break a chain, to break a curse. You know, like, get on it. Take responsibility for your actions. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's what it is. And Love that. Love that. Um, I want to move on to food for a little bit, although I don't want this to be the center of, of this conversation. Because honestly, man, and, and we've talked about some other projects we're working on. Um, mm -hmm. Food's a byproduct. Food's, food's a passion. Yeah, food is my one. Right? But, but there is, there's so much more to the human being than just the chef and, yeah. and the food. Um, I, I went back and forth with the title of this with putting Chef Mark Bynum or Mark Bynum underneath. Ultimately, I got to look at my search engine presence and I put chef on there, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, because this is about the human being. This isn't just about the chef. This is everything, right? Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about food for a minute. So we talk about spark moments on this show, right? Spark moments, it's that moment when something happens in your life that becomes a pivotal moment and good, bad, or indifferent, you go down a road. What was that moment for you where you said the food speaks? When did the first... When did the food speak to you in a way that I'm not talking about when you were just a kid with your mom cooking. I'm talking about when it clicked and you said, this is the path. Um, that would have to be in Bosey's. First day we're in the kitchen. It was everybody's first day. You know, we didn't know what to expect. Knives were there, you know. The professors were there, Bucci, Samboy, Cuomo. Yo, those is my guys. Shout out to them. Shout out to, yo, shout out to every vocational school. And uh, put the cutting board in front of us, put the knives in front of us. And I just picked it up and it was chop, 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 slice, 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 chop, 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 chop. Uh, and then Mr. Bucci, he was just like, can you do me a favor? He was like, yo, can you make this corned beef hash? And I was like, all right, no problem. So I took the recipe and I looked at it and I was just like, all right. So I made it, sauteed it up. He was just like, okay, thank you very much. I was like, is it good, not good? He was like, no, it's, it's fantastic. I was like, okay. And, and from that day, I was just like, I guess, I guess this is what I do. You yeah. know, and, and from there, it was just understanding the technique of it. And as much as, as much as I love the fact that I didn't go to school now, I wish I would have had somebody to whip my ass. Yeah. Like, just go to school, get under some, like, because the, the French dudes that I've learned from, Jean-Claude, and, you know, working in different kitchens is great, but to be just, like, flung around like a little trick in the kitchen at that age, I think it would have it would have done me immense just to, to learn to understand technique, like there's different names. And it, it's always followed me through my whole career where I'm, I'm cooking and... Like, people didn't even want me to cook just based off of black dudes didn't cook. This is 25 years ago now, yeah. 26 years. So, yeah, that was my first aha moment. It was vocational school, the first day. Mr. Bucci. Cut it up. He was just like, he's like, you're a natural with a knife. I was like, thank you. And that, that's all I needed to know. That's what I was going to do. What's funny is um, you look at a young person right now. You look at, like, your oldest son right now, right? With 21, mm -hmm. right? Somebody like that last couple of years maybe trying to figure out coming to their own, somebody that age, there's a whole different world now, right? So communications are everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. We get to see everything in an instant, right in our laps. And when you think 
food and becoming a chef, it becomes sort of synonymous with Food Network and Chopped. And not you, yeah. I'm saying anybody. Like, people think like, oh, that's I'm going to become a chef because that's the norm. No. But you fell in love with it when it was just the food. Yeah, it was, there was no Food Network. There, there, was, there was none of that. I, I just, I couldn't sit at a desk. You know, I, could, I couldn't, and I was still understanding myself. And I felt like dealing with my depression, like, I was the darkest person in my house. Like, I dressed like a bum, didn't care what I wore. I wore the same outfit every day. <laughs> didn't comb my hair, didn't do, didn't do any of that. You know what I'm saying? I just had an issue with myself, and, and food allowed me to, to break out of that. But no, it wasn't, it wasn't the cool thing to do. There was no Bobby Flay. There was no, but for me, there was no Thomas Keller. You know, I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't have, like, I'm saying the Patrick Clarks. Like, I wasn't. I wasn't given that that space, that opportunity to breathe because, you know, my mom and dad, they worked every day. Like, they, they didn't take us out. They didn't explore. We would go to, like, ground round as a chef, you know what I'm saying, wanting to be about food. Like, my family didn't grow up on a farm. Like, I wasn't like I was in a city where I had so much diversity as far as the food scene is right. concerned. So, you know, I had, to, I had to learn that on my own. And that's, that's one of the things that I wish I had more of, Right. you know. I don't know where I just went on that. No, but but it's like it, it, it's true. It's true because you're in the vortex. <laughs> you're in the food vortex. You're in the podcast vortex. <laughs> um, you know, pe- people don't realize they they think you know becoming a chef. They don't even use the word cook anymore. No, right? they don't because they think the two words they know are sous chef and chef, but they don't realize that you got to be a line cook because first. you got to watch. You got to cut because vegetables these phones first. and everything. Like, yo, it's so fun, bro. I was on the line, Mies, getting my butt kicked. Like, every holiday and occasion, I was working. Every party, you're working the party, you know. And, and to, be, to be mediocre at this business, you got to give it 100%. Yeah. For you to actually keep a job, to work in a good kitchen, you know what I'm saying, to work under a good name chef, to really understand what food is about, you have to like be obsessive to want to be great at it, to want to get your name in lights. And that's not even a thought. That wasn't my thought before. I was just like, yeah, I want to be able to take care of myself. I want to be able to travel when I want to travel. But not even thinking, because not being given the opportunity to know, I could be going to California, I could be going to the city, I could be going to Italy, I could be doing this and all of that. No, that wasn't, that wasn't my gig. Yeah. So nowadays, the world is open to these kids. And I think that's what annoys me the most. Like, it's, it's, it's so much easier now. But you still got to put in that grunt work because I forgot more than half these cats have learned. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. At the end of yeah. the day. And it's like you have to go through those things to be a better chef. Because to me, chef isn't just being able to cook. That's not what it is. You're leading a team into battle every day. You're setting up pars. You're doing this. You're doing that. The cooking... The cooking is almost secondary, you know, because for me as a chef, it's a responsibility of me to take care of the people that are working with me. You know what I'm saying? And not just grow them in my food, but grow them in how to cook. I want you to be able to take this this trade and move however and wherever you want. Because cooking is cooking, food is food. And that's that ties into being a, a chef, but also being a leader. A chef is a leader. If you're not a good leader, you can't be a chef. You can't be a good chef or a great chef if you're not a good leader. Yeah. If not, you're just a cook. Yeah. Because you're just cooking food. Yeah. Yeah. I Sorry. love that. I love it. No, no. People <laughs> people need to understand the journey, man. Like, 
as a thought leader out there that does public speaking and stuff and, and people might look to for advice, um, people just see the Instagram profile. People see what's yeah. what's on the server. And now a celebrity chef. Like now and but now when I go out I'm just I'm just a cook. Yeah. Yeah. But people people don't realize what it takes to get there. They don't understand that even the word entrepreneur, man, what that means to us. The stuff that we have gone through as entrepreneurs. Crazy. But even working for a year, like I worked for 15 years before I owned anything. Like I worked my ass off 60, 70 hours a week before I owned anything. Yeah. And that, that journey there, that's what people need to understand that the success doesn't come. No, okay, oh. we're fairly young, right? We're in our early 40s. But when, but when do, see, they say we're in our early, but when do we start, bro? Like I, start, I started when I was 14 years old. So I'm 42 now. So I've been doing this for 30, 28 years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so what's fairly early? Because when you guys were like out running around right. and, and, and enjoying yourself, and besides from the fact that I had a kid when I was 21, like we're not, that's, that's a totally different part of this whole, this yep. situation. You know what I'm saying? So no, it's, it's, it's not where it just came overnight. Yeah. Mm -mm. yeah. I don't know. So success did come though. Uh, I'm not going to get into the whole journey. You want to check out Mark's LinkedIn, Mark's, <laughs> Mark's website, uh, uh, Mark Bynum Creations, right? Is that? Uh, Mark Bynum Concepts. Mark, sorry, Mark Bynum Concepts. It's okay. It used to be M. Bynum Creations, yeah. so I can understand. And we'll put everything in the show notes for you guys. You, you'll check out the whole profile, everything that he's done. But he has worked in a ton of places and line cook and sous chef and, and executive chef and the whole deal. Um, but the, the name Chef Mark Bynum became a thing after you were a chop champion for the first time. And we don't need to dive super deep into, into these three wins, although super interesting. You guys got to check out uh, Mark's episodes. Always entertaining, right? <laughs> and damn the gooey duck, right? Um, damn the gooey duck. <laughs> <laughs> um, 2010 was the first time. Yeah. One chop. Um, first of all, how did, quick, quickly tell me, how did you land chopped? Um, I, I, it was, uh, I responded to an ad. You know what I'm saying something came up and I, I went in there. I was, I was at Teller's at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, I knew the the road there was gonna end because I wanted to I wanted to grow more. So I responded to the ad. So I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in the room, and there was a girl. She was kind of cute. So I was talking to her, talking to her. Then they pulled me in. They was just like, "Can you?" And I was just being myself. They was like, so they asked me questions. They was like, "You're great on camera." I was just like, "Okay, thank you very much." They was like, "We're gonna be giving you a call." I was like, "Thanks." They was like, "Can you keep this same energy on camera?" I was just like, "What energy?" I was like, "Yeah, I can keep being me on camera." Sure. It it wasn't even can you cook, you know what I'm saying? That it was just you know it's it's for TV. They want they want content, and then you know that's how that's how I got on the show. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I lost my job at freaking yeah. <laughs> I, it's I love how things come full circle because we're. The company is great. Like the company I, that I worked for, we still do business together. Yeah. They're they're a great company, but they allow they allowed me. Sometimes you just gotta you gotta get clipped. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so it's dope, and that that's how I landed. And then the rest is the rest is history for the most part. I know that whole process is interesting. I don't I don't think I ever told you this, but I was almost and and I know I could have pulled this off, uh, but I really wanted to be real uh, when I went through this process. I was almost on chopped on one of their. Uh, they were doing a, a nonprofit special, mm -hmm. you know, where they just bring in like a regular average person. Uh -huh. um, and I had come across it and I put a thing in and they loved it. They called me one of the producers and we went through the whole thing. And I know for a fact the reason that I didn't because I made it to like whatever second, third round. I know the reason I didn't get called was because I was very honest 
with her, I said, I am not, I cannot cook desserts. I am a, I am a very decent at home cook. I love cooking at home. Mm-hmm. I cannot cook desserts and do not call me chef on screen. Cause I know they still do that. Even on those amateur, do uh-huh. not call me chef on screen. Cause I am not a chef. <laughs> Like, and I go, I want to make those two things clear. And I didn't get it. And I know that's why I didn't get it. Okay. <laughs> so you bombed it on purpose. Gotcha. I, I, well, listen, man, I'm not going to go on there and not be me, right? Mm-hmm. Fabrizio, our mailbag has been blowing up lately with questions about the launch cast and our beautiful studios here and how we produce this whole thing. What do you think? You think it's time that we give him the secret? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Hit me with some dreamy stuff. Good, good. Guys, it's time to tell you. That the Launchcast, your favorite podcast on the planet, is now produced by Launchpad Five One Six Studios. What is Launchpad Five One Six Studios? You ask. Well, I'm going to tell you. It is our brand new podcast production company operating right here at Launchpad Five One Six. Who am I talking to right now? I am talking to people with an existing podcast. I am talking to people with an idea for a podcast. I am talking to anybody that has an important message to get out there and they want to do it on the biggest platform on the planet, podcasting. Guys, hit me up with all of your questions. I'm going to fill you in a little bit right now on how we do this. So podcast production from us means We are doing everything from the admin side of producing your show to filming, recording, and editing to post-production to monetization of your show. Ah, Fabrizio, they like that. Monetization. That means you get to make money on your hobby and turn this into a potential career. We are bringing on a ton of shows under the Launchpad 516 Studios banner, and I am so excited to get this thing started. Contact me at Launchpad CEO on Instagram, Facebook, or hit us up on the email, media at launchpad516.com. You are not going to want to miss this opportunity, guys. This is going to be big. The one thing I wanted to talk about was, so I I watched a a part of this back, recently and i just find it so funny man because you were so much younger you were it was 11 years ago right <laughs> yeah and you kept using the word sexy and <laughs> yeah that was the, that was the word at the time hashtag sexy it, double x if i had to i saw two different things there i saw the 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 facade and i saw the hungry young man there so if i had to use descriptors for that guy i would say hungry i would say cocky i would mm-hmm. say talented I would say naive to a certain degree. Um, I know that, that that person isn't you anymore. You're an evolved version of, yeah. of that guy. Tell me why that's not you anymore and and why you evolved from how you evolved from from that person. Well, in, in order for me to tell you how I evolved, that person that was there was just just fed up with the BS like you know, going from space to space, restaurant to restaurant, and one not being appreciated, but but lose, lose, losing losing my job because people were intimidated. It's not that I didn't work well. It's not that I didn't do any of those things. So by the time I got to the show, this is my opportunity to show forth my skill set, and nobody, nobody is gonna, nobody's gonna beat me. You know, and, and from that, three times prior, getting shut down from top, top chef, because 
I didn't have I didn't have the the pedigree for it. If nobody gives you a chance to create pedigree, how then can you create a pedigree? So just annoyed. So by the time I got there, I was just like, fuck all these people, whoever's in my way. Sorry, mama. (laughs) Sorry, ma. I'm sorry, (laughs) mama. I had to do it to (laughs) Mama, we made it. So, but like, it was just like, yo, whoever's in my way, just move, like get out. And and that's what it was. Now, I'm not angry. There's nothing to be angry about because the anger only, it only keeps you enclosed. It doesn't allow you to grow. And it doesn't allow people to, you can't appreciate people really loving you because you don't love yourself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's the biggest difference between me 11 years ago and now and having to understand and take responsibility for my own actions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's what it's about. You could blame everybody else all you want to, but, you know, if, for me, it's, it's been such an evolution because it's, it's like every part of your life has to change in order for you to change. If I can't keep good cooks and I'm turning and I'm turning good cooks off, it's not the cook. It's then you. Yeah. And once you understand that, I can't keep a good person because it's not them, it's you. Like what about you is is banged up that you need to fix so then that you can move on. And the person that was back there, bro, I was twenty I don't even remember how old I was. Eleven years ago. I was, thir- no, 30, I was 30, 30, 30, yeah, 31. 31. Yeah. I was 31 years old. Like I have my kid, my son was 10 years old. What the hell, what the hell am I doing, bro? Yeah. Like, like I'm, 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 I'm reaching for the straws. Like, how am I then going to, like, I can't keep on going through this. I was just, I was just divorced. I was like divorced. You know what I'm saying my son, I didn't like the, the situation that my son was in. Like everything was really, and, and this was my shot. This yeah. was my this was my my 15 seconds and I have to I have to capture it I need that 10 grand I need it I needed to build my business I needed to start something for me where I'm not reeling anymore that I'm going to be able to support myself and my son and I know I'm going to get married again you know what I'm saying <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. where, where does it start? And, and, that's, and that's what it was. So that dude was, he was scared. He yeah. was a scared, young, hungry hustler. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I saw that there was such an immense difference um, in, in not only you, but the evolution of your cooking between the first and the third, right? Like, it was, it was crazy just to see it. Yeah. Like, uh, but you were still so good, man, like, even in the, uh, on that first one when it came down to the food. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was funny. I remember watching the chefs, you know, the judges, like, they loved – I mean, you had them. They were, they were very, <laughs> like, intrigued. You got, you. But, yeah, well, that was the first – the first episode was the first all-female panel. Uh-huh. So you had Amanda Freitag. Yeah. Amanda is so sexy. <laughs> She is a big yo. So you had Amanda Freitag, you had Jody Miller, which I've never seen after that, and then you had you had Alex. So you had the first all female panel, and it's TV. Like yeah. you have to create a moment. Yes, I'm saying you have to seize it. If you don't, then what the hell do you want television for? Like those are moments that are going to be embedded in p- people's minds for the next 10, 15, 20 years. I got so much heat from that episode, like. After my website went up and then, you know, Instagram, not, not Instagram, but like Facebook. Oh, you're a chauvinist. Like, what are you talking about? Do you know, do you know, you don't, right. you don't know me. Like, 
my mom raised me, my aunt raised me. I have the utmost respect for women. Like, you know, I might be fractured as a man. I can't keep a girlfriend, you know what I'm saying, or a wife. But that's <laughs> not, my respect for the women is not that's unwavering. Right. But so much heat for that episode. But yep. that dude, but that dude was. He did what he had to do. We talked about that uh, before the interview. We were chatting a little bit about um, our, our other project working on, and you, you talked about people don't understand that they may see the arrogant guy, but there's so much behind yeah. that that the, led to that. The, right? the, arrog the arrogant guy is really just, you know, one that lacked confidence. Like, it was, I, I lacked confidence. I wasn't sure of myself. And it was the first at the end of the day, it was the first time ever being on the on the big screen. Like you don't know how you're going to, yep. you know what I'm saying, receive that. How that energy that you have inside you, that butterfly nervous energy, is going to then translate. It's either going to help you, or you're going to. It's going to hinder you. Yeah. Like you got to learn how to harness that and use it. You know that mamba mentality type stuff. That's right. That's right. Uh, I'm going to throw out some some accomplishments here and, and there's so many more than this but uh just to give our audience oh, this is what you're about to do right now i hate, <laughs> no, these things. I hate this <laughs> <laughs> okay st louis ribs on the cover of o magazine humongous bro i Love still I, I just want to say i just want to say there's some some things you should never say no to yeah and i just want to i just want to apologize to gail king and i want to apologize to uh at the real adam glassman after we did that live and i said that i could ship my ribs they they asked me to go to dinner they was like you want to go out to dinner and i said no i said no to adam glassman and gail and i apologize because you never give down multi-million dollar billion yeah. dollar meetings yeah moving yeah. right along shout out gail king <laughs> and 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 again i'm gonna i'm gonna put in the show notes not only um uh, some of Mark's links, but some interesting interviews and stuff that he's done. So you could hear some, you could hear the story about Gail and O Magazine and, the, and that whole thing. But um, Four Food Studio, Prime, Tellers, Venue 56, Venata Project, Q9, Moo Burger, Beach Burger, Bamboo Tori, yeah. Cooking in Color, your show. Yeah, I love that show. Oh, man. Like you've done so much from a professional standpoint and I haven't even named the places that you own yet. Mm -hmm. Um we talked, uh, I have a note in here, we, we got deeper than I thought we were going to get into, so we don't have to talk too much here about this, but Rob Patron from Restaurant Hunter, you are on his podcast, Hot Takes on a Plate. Mm -hmm. um, great quote, and I, I want to get into your food a little bit here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Mm -hmm. I know we got a time limit. But nah, we're good. Let's we're good. keep okay. it moving. All right. Um, Rob's quote, if you are not, and, and by the way, like I listened to the dynamic between you and rob on this and this was the same outlook that i talked about before when we talked about growing up black in farmingdale mm -hmm. you had the same outlook on this quote of rob's he said if you are not of a culture and want to cook that culture's food for a living you better be serious about it and do your homework which is a, a thousand percent true and i know you agree with that yeah. you were of the mindset that that's no reason that you shouldn't still try it, right? The reason I mention this is because, and I noticed this about you, bro. I mean, I know we're, we're, we're friends for years. We're from the same place. But, you know, I don't talk to you on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis mm -hmm. all the time. And I remember when the ramen thing really started. And I was like, what is this cat doing? <laughs> like, what is going This dude yeah. has this place with the most amazing American bistro food. Like, oh, my God, he's so good at it. And you like developed this obsession with ramen. Noodle, noodle is therapy, bro. Yeah, tell me. Like, I, I, I love, I love the fact that it's just so, it's new. 
Like you can make your own indelible mark on it. Like when you think about Japanese cuisine, when you think about Korean cuisine, like those are over centuries and centuries. Ramen isn't that old. And it takes the best of everything. And I just like it because it's just a nice one. It's a one bowl joint. It's just dope. And then the diversity is in the broths. It's just you can have like the tonkatsu, which is so complex. And it's just boiling of bones. And then you can have the shoyu or the shio and the fume. But it, it hits all notes. But for me, it just it just awoke something else in me. I was just like, yo, I could take my barbecue. I could take my southern. I could take my French technique. And put it all in this one bowl and it just be jam. And it's it's fucking good, bro. Yeah. yeah. Like you get a nice bowl of noodle, it's life changing. And 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 I and I push people to moo ramen and you know what I'm saying? That's the reason why I do noodle, because of moo ramen. Because he's and he's cool, his family's cool, you know what I'm saying? We had some issues, but it's all right. <laughs> because I wanted to do ramen too. But like he he was a he was a, of Asian descent, but he was raised by a Jewish family. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying on Long Island and like Pork Jeff. And when he told me that, he was just like he said he was just like you don't have to take their tradition and like you know do it bone to bone. He said you could put your own spin on it. The dude was putting corned beef in a bowl of ramen. Like he got a Michelin star notification. Like he's that dude. Like yeah. that's that's why I love ramen because it's just. And that's why I have my ramen truck, and we're about to we're about to launch it off. I'm about to park it right up here on Main Street. And tell somebody <laughs> to tell me to move. Y'all tell me to move again. We're gonna have a fight. I swear. <laughs> the next time I park up my truck, now everybody parking their trucks everywhere, and ain't nobody saying nothing. But we ain't gonna get on that. Y'all know what I did for this culture. Y'all know what I did for food on Long Island. I'm not playing games. Let's go. Anyway. Let me let me ask you with that with that because th- this this gets me right because I have I'm the same I've had ideas where people are like, "Woo, you sure about that?" You know, and I'm but just look like, at but look yeah, at ramen I'm sure. now, bro. Look, I'm sure. Look at it. This was I'm, I'm looking at my stuff like I was I was working on my tonkotsu, bro, five years ago. Like, yeah. you know, what I'm saying MB Ramen in, in Huntington. They can say what they want to say. That's my ramen. MB is for Mark Bynum Ramen, not nobody else. But yeah. it's okay. Y'all could take it. <laughs> I could take it. Are they still, still open? Yeah, yeah, they still okay. open. I'm still waiting on my 30% that I'm supposed to get bought out, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, but it's not okay. I remember <laughs> I remember when MB uh, opened up and uh, uh, you got reviewed, I think, at Newsday, and it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest review, right? And that's why I got pissed off, because when yeah. they did the review, I was in Mexico, and, and Newsday hit me. They called me. They were just like, yo, chef, it wasn't. I was just like, well... And then that's when the cooks were like, yo, they're changing the broth, they're doing this, they're doing that. And for me, I was I was always I was always naive and thinking, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Yeah. I thought that because the work that I put in. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes as a business and sometimes as a leader, we can think the work that I put in put in enough foundation where people won't believe the chatter. You gotta shut down that chatter. Yeah. Like Back in the days, 30, 40 years ago, 10 people turned to 11 people. 10 people now turned into 1,000, turned into a million. You know what I'm saying? And it, it begins to eat away at your brand. You know, and I was naive in the fact. And I was also not in a good headspace. Yeah. So I just, I just let it go. Yeah. You know, but no, I, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like, I didn't like being dragged. 
I don't I don't like being dragged in the paper. And I and I do remember here and I don't know how I heard about this but they didn't use the noodles that you normally use, right? Yeah. Is that the th- yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and as as a business owner, as a as a as an artist, you like to use certain things because of the way it gels with a painter uses a certain paint because it works well on a canvas that he uses so forth and so on. In anything that you build, you want things to match. The noodle has to match the broth. The broth has to match the noodle. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Ab- about that whole ramen thing, I don't like it. It's different when, you, when he was doing takes on a plate. Every food that I do is not a money grab. Like, I'm Nigerian by descent. By descent. Yep. I, don't, I don't do jollof. I don't do those things because I don't want it to be where it's trying to be a money grab to my Nigerian culture. I do things that I've studied and I, and I learn because I love the art of it, you know, and, yeah. and that, that's important to me. So I don't know why I just went there, but. No, it, it, <laughs> it, it makes sense. It, yeah. Because really this was about, uh, I have in my notes here successes slash failures, and I put MB Ramen, not, not the failure and, of the business. No. The, the ramen, you, the idea of ramen, I saw that you had that obsession with it. I saw that you were committed to making it as good as it could possibly be, which I respect big time. And I've never actually tried your ramen. I've been to every restaurant of yours but that one. Um, I'll get it on the food truck, man. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's a testament. It's a testament to getting out there as a leader and, and deciding I want to do something and I'm going to become a master at it. I'm going to commit to excellence as a leader in this thing that I'm doing. Yeah, and I, I thought that was what Hush was. You know what I'm saying? Because like I would, have, I would have young black chefs come, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to all the chefs. Shout out to all the chefs cooking. Shout out to all the chefs wanting to cook, all the aspiring chefs. Um, like I had young chefs coming in that were like, yo, you did it. I was like, yeah, it's not easy, but you could do it. And, and, that, and that spun off other chefs knowing, yo, I could do it. Like Bayview Kitchen, those are my boys. They work for me. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to, I'm saying John Harris. He's in California. He has APT. Like he's doing it. Shout out to everyone. Like, you know, you got to, even in your struggle, you got to show people that you could do it. Yeah. And you got to wear it well. That's, yep. that's the leader. The leader, like, you know, <clears throat> Even like I spoke about billions when we were we were talking before, like you know what I'm saying, you can get beat up and but you still gotta show your team like Chuck gets his butt kicked by Bobby all the time. Yeah. But he still comes back fighting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cause he gets his wins. Like so you you gotta show your team that you can still get your wins. And I think that that's what we did at Hush and that's why things are starting to pop up different because they, they see, yeah, I can do it. I can raise I can I can have a family. You know what I'm saying? And that's 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 more of a legacy to me. When I when I can say Three of the chefs that work for me have their own restaurants or, you know what I'm saying, they were just on Top Chef or they just did this or they just did that. Like, like that's important to me because I know I'm, I'm building for the future. Yeah. Just like for my kids. Yeah. It's all the same. Speaking of Hush, so, so I'm going to go through this story uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about 291. So, oh, he called it 291 too. Hush. Hush. Oh, I don't even call it Hush, bro. It's 291. Hush Bistro. Yes, sir. Uh, Really, your that was your first solo yeah. place, right? Um, so the story was that you you were looking for a space for a restaurant. You had lost another space that you were trying to rent. Uh, somebody else got it. Wasn't it was um what was it? The Vietnamese spot. 
Oh, the called? fall place. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna sign that. Rolling spring roll. Rolling spring roll. Yeah. The day that I was gonna sign, he signed. Yeah. And the guy didn't call me back. And I was just like, motherfucker. <laughs> and I had just lost Bollinger's because that lady that was there, she was kind of cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> so that deal fell through. And deal after deal after deal. And I was just like, you know what? I'm signing a lease today. Yeah. I'm signing a lease. Yeah. So I walked up, same block, Manila Market was there, called the lady up. I was just like, how much is the rent? She was like, 1500 I was like, I'll take it. She's like, you haven't seen it. I was like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I was like, I'm taking it. This is going to be hush. Now, mind you, didn't have the name hush. I was just about to open up a burger because I was going to open up MB Burger across the street at Bollinger's because they still had the shakes and yep. stuff like that. Yep. It was, it was going to be Liddy. Still haven't freaking made MB Burger Bar yet. Freaking crazy. Yo, the things that we have in our cache are freaking amazing. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure if you go back into your cache right now, I'm like, yeah, I got this business plan. I got that back. I got this business plan. I got oh, this I got it lined plan. up, bro. Lined up. Like, yo, lined yo, where up. the money at? So, yo, as soon, soon as one comes in, it's just like, bink. As long as this gets off, I could do the rest of these things. But, yeah, so so that's that's what it was. And I, I well, signed speaking the lease. Of, speaking of lining the money up, so you, you signed the lease? Uh, you go to the lease signing, you, you pay. Bro, I'm broke. First month, last I'm, month, security, whatever. How much was in your account? Zippo, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I had zero in my account. But I was like, you know what? I I was doing a lot of consulting work. I had a lot of money out on the street. And you know what I'm saying? As a consultant, if you don't get your money up front and you're trying to pull at them after you done set them up, it's kind of difficult. I had like 120 grand on the street. And I was like, I can't keep on doing this. You know what I'm saying? I have a family. I have a son. I have a son on the way. Like, I, I got, I got, a, I got a new wife. So, all of that stuff. I was like, I need to do something, and I was just like, I need to open up a restaurant, um, faith-based project. Yeah. And then I signed the consulting, and it came, and it came, boom, and that's the money that I needed to cover the first last. Yeah. Then I put up a, a crowdfunding. It was like, what, GoFundMe or yep. something like that. You know, I'm not very computer techie, so it was all chopped up. It was horrible. <laughs> Yo, I could cook. I could cook. I could cook. Let me ask you, because we're going to, a, a little bit later before we start wrapping up in a little while, we're going to get into uh, fatherhood a little bit. But um, that decision to, to, to dive in, um, sign this lease without having any other money and just putting faith in it, like that this is going to happen. project. How do you justify that as not only a business owner, but a father and a husband? Like, what does that decision look like to you? What do I have got to lose? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day. And, but this, this isn't like me not understanding. This is me, you know, this is, what year is it? 2014. So I've been cooking since, I, I've been cooking for what? 20 years. That's what it is, yeah. So you know, opening up restaurants for people, understanding what they're doing, understanding business to a point, but when it's not your own money and you're not running back office and back of the house like you're supposed to, I'm saying you really don't know, but this is this is my shot. Let yeah. me do it. I, I did chop, you know what I'm saying? I ran Balsam Restaurant Group restaurants. I did this, I did that. I'm consulting all over the place. I'm making money, but now I'm chasing my money. This, I need to do this. There's, there's no question about it. There's no, well, I, and the money that I need to make, nobody's going to pay me. Nobody, nobody's going to pay me, regardless of my pedigree, regardless of this is after three stars, times, three stars, Newsday. You know I'm saying I'm not I'm not getting what my counterparts are getting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying from but from jump, though, 
like I listen to stories from, you know what I'm saying, that the cooks that I work with, you know what I'm saying? Like how much how much was you making? I'm saying we had 20 years old. I was like, yeah, I was taking home like 350. They was just like, what? They was like, I was taking home 800 dollars, yeah. 900 bucks. So the disparity. If I don't, if I don't change my cards, nobody, nobody's gonna give it to me. And even when they say they're giving it to me, they're not giving to me what they're giving to everybody else. So you, you had know? to make that decision. I had, I had to. It, it was not negotiable. It, it was not. It was not negotiable. It wasn't like, well, let me try this again. No, I've tried it. I've tried it for the past 20 years, cooking in this industry, busting my ass for these people. They're not going to give me no bread, so i got to make my own bread. Yeah. But then in that same in that same resolve, in that same motion, the people that you're trying to pull the money so you can make your own money, you still got to work with them so they can give you <laughs> your money. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, but we did it because you have to. And it, led, and that, and it led to it led 291. To 291, Hush Bistro 291, Hush Place Bistro. Litty, bro. Huntington, Big Black Food Truck, MB Ramen, Fatwood, Pop-Ups, Hush at Prime. Yeah, that was everything. big. That was big. Hush everything. at Prime was humongous. That was cool. Hush we at went Prime there. was humongous. We went there during yeah. that summer. That was, uh, that was great. That was Shout out cool to the Volson Restaurant Group. Let's do that this summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to touch on uh, one more thing with Hush, which, which I thought was, was important. Again, you see this stuff on social media, and you don't really see what's behind it. I try as a, as a leader, as a father, as a husband, I try and kind of look into these things when I see them and go, I wonder what the motivation is behind that. I, so shit happens, right? Partnerships, dissolve, whatever, right? Um, through through uh, a series of events, no more hush, right? Um, but you held on to hush, like you. The name was important. The name to is still you. important. Like, Why? That that's my firstborn. You fought for that name. Yeah, I, that's the name came to me. The the name came to me by God. Like it's not like I was just like oh hush, be sure that's gonna be kind of cool. No, I was on my way home from Virginia. You know what I'm saying people hear the story all the time. And I heard Hush, and I was just like, now, I heard MB Bistro. I've heard, like, God gives me insight on what he, like, I know when things are coming, when they're not. And I'm just like, okay, Hush, I'll be quiet. He was like, no, Hush, Hush Bistro. And uh, I turned to my wife at the time, I was just like, Hush Bistro. She was like, Hush Bistro, MB Bistro, MB, MB, MB. She was like, what is it? And I was just like, that's what I heard. I'm saying, so, yeah, it's, it, no, mm-mm. There's going to be a Hush 2.0. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> like no, it's it's important because that's when when you walk when you walk around the country and they say how you doing, Mr. Hush? Like I'm not like the other day a guy was just like hey he's like you're the restaurant guy and I'm just like is that my new title? <laughs> like am I supposed to then like trademark that the restaurant guy? Let me look. At, so but it's like but that but you know no, Hush is important to me yes. Still important to me. Like, if I do Hush Ramen, it's going to be Hush Ramen. Like, that is my brand just as much as it is as Bynum. So yeah. when I opened up 291, you know what I'm saying? It was that, you know, and I, like, if, if you ask a person, yo, can you bring your restaurant to my town? Okay, you, then you want my restaurant. You don't want the name of my restaurant. You want everything that embodies right. my space here. That wasn't the case. Uh, so it didn't feel like, and I gave up, I literally gave up Farmingdale because I was like, I need to make this work over here. Right. Um, I should have kept 291, the rent was low. I should have just kept it at event space until I was ready to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Could have rented it. There's so many scenarios that I could have done. Sure. But being young, being stupid, being, you know what I'm saying? My ego, etching God out, thanks to my boy freaking, yeah, he told me, I went to Alabama, I got a spot in Alabama now. 
And uh, I was just like, yeah, the guy's ego. And, and my boy Haller was just like, yeah, that's etching God out. He's like, we don't do that around here. Yeah. I was just like, I'm, I'm going to take that. So my ego made me gave up the space, which was my income, no partnerships really, right. to go work with partners, but not really partners. And it just, it just didn't work out. You know what right. I'm saying? So for me to get my name back, it was like Famous Amos trying to get his name. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's certain things that, resonate with me, you know what I'm saying, throughout my childhood growing up and understanding that, you know what I'm saying, they took his name. They took Famous Amos's name. He couldn't even use the shit. He was on Shark Tank. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, trying to make cookies again. My, my guy, like, you old, like, nah. So, yeah, it's, it's important for me to get my name back. And that's what I tell people all the time. Make sure your stuff is trademarked. Make sure your stuff is protected. Yeah. You know, a team is important. Like, that's that business one-on-one that, that we all talk about. Yep. Make, say, make, make sure you dot your I's and cross your T's because somebody will come and get you because everybody's shifty now. And nobody wants to work, and they just want to take your money. Yep. So it's important. The hush name is like my and, – and what makes me really fight for it is my, my middle child which I know he's going to, Isaiah is profound. All my kids are profound. But he told me one day, he was just like, I was like, what do you want? He was just like, I want my own hush. Boom, done. Nobody's taking that. You could open up a hush and any, like you could have that hush, you can't have that logo. And then when I open up hush again, you're gonna have to take that off. So for those people that are rocking the hush right now, in the next 18 months, I hope you're gonna be willing to change the name because the kid is coming back. <laughs> We're gonna talk about all that stuff before we wrap. And, and Isaiah, is he still doing uh, his his food critic thing? Yeah, he's and, it, <laughs> it's, and it's not and it's just tacos, bro. Like he he he's crazy with his tacos. Like he'll spit it out. He was like, and we'll and we'll go to a place three or four times, and he was just like, they changed the recipe, they changed this, they changed that. This was all right, wrong. that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. I know some dude who's crazy with his ramen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that ramen is it, and yo, he's. He's dope. My oldest son, he does, like he does this. He does like the media and stuff like that. And then Bella, she ain't gonna have to do nothing. She's gonna do something. <laughs> well, that's that's what I want to talk about next. I want to talk about uh, family, um, the kids first yeah. of all. Um, I got three of them. Three of them. What what is that? What does that mean to you? Come when we talk about your professional drive, when we talk about everything you're out there doing, because I, I know that there's so many blurred lines between professional and personal um, for guys like us, right? We're creatives. We, mm -hmm. we, we want to involve everything. I mean, I, I talk about all the time how I built, I built my business out of divorce. I built this because I took a couple of years off and mm -hmm. I had to be the available dad. I had to be there for every field trip and, and coaching and, and class party and everything. So I needed to start my own business mm -hmm. so that I could build it around my personal life. And guess what? They're so intertwined now. So what does that mean for you with your kids? Um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to consult and stuff like that. But, but dad means everything to me, you know, my oldest. And like there's, I have my 21-year-old with my first wife. Then I have my 11-year-old and my 3-year-old with my second wife. Um, I am now happily divorced. Uh, and it's 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 a great feeling not to be divorced, but for everybody to start to mend and grow. Um, but with that said, like my kids, they're fresh like that. To me, I think that it made me a better chef. It made me a better made me a better person. When my daughter came, it just made me a totally, totally yeah. different dude. Um, just to know that she was expected 
and know that that's what I always wanted, which was my daughter, um, is, is something that's uncomparable. Uh, to my boys, like my oldest, he was with me when we were poor. So there's a different drive yeah. and a different, and you know, a different understanding. And then Isaiah, he was just like, what do you mean I can't go there? My dad is my dad. You know what I'm saying? So it's different. Um, and then Bella, Bella really hasn't experienced, you know what I'm saying, who her dad is just yet. Yeah. Um, which I think that when she does, I think it'll be cool. But, you know, I fight for the legacy of them because like we spoke about before, I want to create a foundation. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily know. And I spoke to my mom about this again on Sunday, who my great, great grandfather is like, People, we need to know our legacy. We need to know sure. where we come from. But we also have to create that foundation. So that's what I'm trying to do with my kids, with the name, so forth and so on. They just, they're all so different and they, they take a totally different, you know what I'm saying, valve of my heart. They don't, there's none, there's not one higher or lower than the other. Yeah. I don't know, maybe Bella. But <laughs> well, I got two. I started with the girl, so I, I know where you're at, mm -hmm. man. I know where you're at totally. Yeah, so. But that, but that's different. But it's just you know, and now understanding certain things that I do, I have to leave for them, you know, and but still trying to live my life and have a balance. And it's 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 different. It's difficult because I'm still at 42 years old. I'm finally finding myself. I'm saying, yeah. Am I 43 right now? I'm gonna become 42 this year. So that no, means yeah, you're yeah. I just I just turned 42. Oh, October 23rd. All right. I don't I don't count. I was, I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but um. But yeah, so like, but that's why it's so important that I speak to my, like my dad didn't speak to me until I was 40 years old. Like I make it an effort to speak to my children, let them know how much I love them because I understand the hang up, especially for being a young black man in this not world of not hearing it. And then thinking just, you know, I, I don't mind it's the devil's workshop. And yep. then if, if you're not, if you're not filling that space with love, then who one, who's filling that space? What are their motives behind it? And then that just makes it a longer time for them to heal. And I don't, I don't got time for that. Yeah. So I try and be as present as I am while still being Zeus and Perseus and letting them, you know, live their own lives. And it's, it's different. You know, I think, I think my, my coaching style, quote unquote, dad style is different from my boys. Definitely didn't is for my girls because, you know, they're just different people. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it definitely helps me be a better leader. It definitely helps me be a better, better person, uh, and more patient. Yeah, I think that I think my daughter allows me to be more patient, which then helps. She's gonna my, test that real soon. Trust me. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> she can test that real soon. That's why there's weed. A lot, a lot of weed. <laughs> so good, good segue, bro. Because um, because this sort of ties into family, ties into weed. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to talk briefly, and then we're going to start wrapping up. I'm going to talk about um, uh, the importance of acknowledging uh, mental health issues, the importance of dealing with mental health issues. Um, so th it's twofold here, right? You've talked about mental health stuff in your uh, in your social media a lot, mm -hmm. but it's no secret that mental health issues in the restaurant industry are a thing. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Bourdain. I mean, you know, it's it's a tough industry, man. It's a tough industry. I was. Um, uh, I was in the industry in, in two different ways. One, you know, really not related to restaurants when I was in the deli industry when I was younger. But, um, man, I, I, I waited tables and, and bartended for years. Um, 
while I was still employed in the pharmacy industry just to make ends meet to to save for a house. And I saw it all, man. Like, I mean, yeah. it's a tough world to live in. How have you sort of reconciled that? And I'm, I'm sure the answer is that you haven't yet, but you're dealing with it. But what does that look like to you? Being in this industry and, and balancing all of it and your mental health, being a father, um, an entrepreneur, a the restaurateur, a chef, all of it. You take it in wins and losses. Yeah. Just just like everything else, you know. Being divorced twice, you take you take those losses. Having three beautiful children, you take those wins. You know. Um but eventually, you know, hopefully sooner than later, hopefully before you lose all your shit. You know, for some of us, you know what I'm saying, you gotta lose it, but it's it's necessary to lose because now you have a starting point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and for me, every you know, it's funny how you think that they, yet you don't have mental health issues until you realize you have mental health issues because it's it's a stern look at yourself, and you can only look at yourself when you reach the bottom. You know, yeah. and so many times I've said this, I was just like, they was like, well, how do you know when you've reached the bottom? And I was like, you'll know, like, and you'll wake up, and you'll be like, how? how the fuck did I get here? Yeah. Yeah. Like from where I was, like, and I, and I look back and I was just like, yo, I had a wife. I had two beautiful children. I had three beautiful children. I had my house. I had a business. I had two businesses, three businesses, four businesses, five, six. Cover up old magazine. Not happy. I couldn't, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest, a blur from the time I opened the restaurant to right before COVID, you know, understanding, like I was at war. I was at war with myself. I was at war with the world. I was at, I was at war with everything. And the view of success was great. It, it allowed you to do certain things. It allowed you to go certain places. It allowed you to, when I say you, I mean me. <laughs> it allowed me to go certain places and do certain things that I normally couldn't do because the finance was there. But at the end of the day, the finances being there was what eroded you from being able to look at yourself and say you're the issue yeah because the money's there you know because what are you talking about the bills is paid this is paid sit your ass at home i'm gonna go out and do what i want to do um and and that wasn't it and then once you reach rock bottom like yo oh it was me and you drove away everything and everyone that you love because you was etching god out <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been there, man. I've been there, and, and it, it transcends industries. I mean, being a business owner is just mm -hmm. such a tough thing, but going through that rise and fall and maybe rise again and yeah. fall and then, again. And, and this was with, and for me, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't substance. Like, it was my own. Like, like people were like, oh, you were doing this drug? No, nah, I, was, I was high off my own ego. Yeah, well, I completely you, understand that. And, you know, and, and for some people, it's easier for them to say you were, you know, incapacitated in some other way for them to just say, nah, I, I just fucked up. Yeah. You know, there was no, my blurred vision was my blurred vision. Nothing blurred my vision. Yeah. You know, I blurred my vision. And it was through years and years of not, addressing issues, not talking, just holding it in, harboring it in, 
and not growing, not having a strong team and all those things. Like at the end of the day, if you don't have those things in your life, you're going to come to a breaking point. Yeah. And depending on, and it doesn't matter who, who's there. And it ties back into that collateral damage because you've just been masking the pain for forever and not dealing with it until you're forced to deal with it. And then there's the road back. Yeah. And, and what people need to understand, I'm so happy you said all of that, bro, because, um, <laughs> no, seriously, man, like it's, it's, people need to understand this part, part of this, right? Why I love people bringing people on here is because I also, as a person that, you know, create stages for other people, whether it's with TEDx or, or whatever, you know, this new yeah, uh, I gotta production get back on company. That word. Um, After we build it. I got one more only. That's it. <laughs> Next year's my last one, but I got a new thing happening. Heard that. I got a new thing. Um, besides the other thing. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so many things. Yeah, you know that. Um, people need to understand that there are layers to all this. We talked about this before, the onion, right? Um, we make choices. Why do we make those choices? People need to be empathetic sometimes to the fact that choices sometimes are made for us because of the experiences that we were in um i know you were in fog during that time I, i've been there myself too um you know it's uh, uh i'll tell you right now bro full transparency now because we're we don't pull punches on this show and, mm -hmm. and we're going to be working on a project together i'll tell you one time when i really knew that you were in a fog where i got salty with you was um it was right after your third chop right and I watched it at home with my wife, and um, you had won the first round, and you, and you lost in, in the championship round. And I listened very carefully in that episode. You were talking about your dad. You were talking about Alabama. You were talking about Roll Tide and all that kind of stuff. So the next day, I happened to be shopping with my wife, Christmas shopping, and uh, we went past, like, finish line or something, and they had sale on, on sweatshirts, college sweatshirts, and I saw an Alabama Roll Tide sweatshirt. And I picked one up. And, and I put it in a bag. And, you know, men giving other men a gift. It's, like, weird. It's, you know, we feel awkward. I, and I wrote you a card from business owner to business owner. We're proud of you and what you did. And I, and I got the Alabama shirt, not because I thought you needed a sweatshirt, but because I, I wanted yeah, yeah. you to know I was listening, right? And I gave you that, and I never heard from you. And I remember going, this motherfucker. <laughs> I don't remember that, bro. I gave you. Right outside of Hush. I was pulling, because I used to have the office across the street. I was I pulled up to park. I had it in my hand, and you happened to be walking outside of Hush, and I gave it to you, and I go, don't open this now, because it's weird, right? But um, just want you to know, man, like, we're proud of you for what you did. Okay, man, you know, I'll hit you up later. And I never heard from you. I was like, fuck, man. Like, I put myself out there, you know? <laughs> and if you, if you didn't just tell... Never. And I believe you. Listen, I believe you. I you was, probably put I was, that down and never opened it even. Bro, Who knows? I, I, was at, I was doing a consult in Bayshore, and a business owner came up to me. He says, and he was just like, hey, how you doing? He was like, and you just, he just, you just looked like right through me. He was like, you were working. He was like, and I, I was like, okay, no problem. So I go out to dinner at his restaurant. I didn't know it was him. I didn't know who he was at the time that he said hello and I was just brushing him off. And I'm, I'm there and he's kind of like giving me an attitude. I'm just like, hey, what's going on? I was just, he's like, I'm the owner, da, 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 da. so we have a conversation. He's like, just so you remember, he was like, I'm not sure if you remember, he was like, but we were right across the street there and da, 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 da. I was like, okay, he was like, yeah, I felt some type of way. He was like, I felt I had to say something to you today. I was just like, so you held that in for the past two, two. 
And I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah. I was like, I don't. And I told him, I was like, I'm sorry, I don't remember that. I was just like, I was like, from the, from the day that I opened up the restaurant and everything started happening, and I, and I really thought it was, after I opened up the restaurant, I thought everybody's perception or outlook would be different. And when I say that, I thought that racism would like cease to exist from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. So, you know, even in building the restaurant, having to kick out one one of the uh, the contractors just because you know what I'm saying he made a comment, didn't finish the work, blah blah blah, like all of that. So, you know, they gave me heat about my truck. So I was like, just in a fight. Fo- like it. I get it. I, I and it, and that person right there was more angry than the person that one chopped the first time, because now the stage was bigger. I have more responsibility, you know. Why? Why am I getting treated like I just? I just want to work. Yeah. I just. I just. I just want to do what I love to do. Yep. You know. And then all the elements. You know, the cares of the world. You know, in the Bible we say, you know, the cares of the world. Like that's what it was. It was then the cares of the world and really caring what people thought, and that's what banged me up. Yeah. Because that can you know bang you up. <laughs> I'm saying, and I tell people all the time, I was like, if you gotta believe the good, you gotta believe the bad too. I'm saying. And when you open up that door, good and evil come through that door. So just as much good comes through, you best believe just as much bad is going to come through too. And even if the bad is false, even if it's fake stuff, even like now, now you're on now with social media, people could create whatever they want to create. Say this, say that, say that, say this, and you're just like, yeah, wow, that's the way you really feel. Yeah. And it was just anger because I'm just like, yo, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make enough money to feed my daughter, yeah, like yeah, big, yeah. like that, like that's that's all I wanted, and show people a difference. And show people if you give someone a chance that doesn't look like you, they're not gonna fucking blow it. Right. You know? And I think I proved that. And then everything just went to Shamnag out, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's just but it but but I know it was me because there was no growth. And then the person people people that are there supposed to be on your team in fighting, like at the end yeah. of the day, you know, the biggest the biggest empires, whether it be a drug game or whether it be you know what I'm saying? Any any law of government, you know, they get they get destroyed from within. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Dissension comes, you know what I'm saying, from within. And if if I go to war every day and then there's no peace at home, man without peace goes crazy. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I hear you. I completely hear you. And uh I I'm glad Look, I'm not. I'm not glad that that things happen to you know move you out of situations and and we go through hardships or whatever. But I'm I'm glad that you found your peace because now I see you, bro, and uh, you have a new level of sort of focus that I see in you, um, you know, which is incredible. Thank and, you, sir. Thank you, sir. And for you know, we we've had this personal conversation during the pandemic. For some of us, all, look, man, we we had personal losses and, yeah. and the whole thing. But for some of us, that pandemic helped to focus us. It helped to realign us, give us space from mm-hmm. people without because you disappear on any regular day people go where'd he go yeah you disappear during the pandemic people don't give a shit because yeah. they disappear too you know that's what they expect but right if you reappear during the pandemic that's when you like i got more i got more friends i got more situations going through the pandemic just by you know creating that social media presence now cooking yeah. at home and stuff like that but you know but then again the evolution of who we are, like we can't can't always be at the stove. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So now it's in front of a mic. And I and I and I like I like that because now it's broadcast more. And I think that as a person now going through what I've been through, I can then relay it to people and help them through it, help For them sure. navigate. And I think that that's what that's what it is. Like, you know, taking that one, that food that I normally do and still do and do at a high level, I'm still kind of nice. But now pushing it through the media waves and, and putting my flavor in your ear, as you will. Mm. Shout out to Craig Mack. Rest mm. in peace. Flavor in your ear. All right. We're about to wrap it up with the big three, but but we got to tell you what Chef's got going on here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw them out there in a list. New food truck, new food truck. Who yeah, this? Yeah, that's that's Hush Ramen right there. That's new food be, truck. Mm-hmm. Mark Bynum Concepts, of course. Yes, that's the consulting and the catering company. Check it out, MarkBynumConcepts.com. Cook up. Oh yeah, that's the edible brand. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> microdosing is necessary for life. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to do this with a question mark. Ready? CMOS? Yes. <laughs> what? CMOS is necessary. I got the mouse. <laughs> yes. Listen, I, the, CMOS, the CMOS probably sells more than my cook-up. It's at Fountain right now. Shout out to all the fountains. Um, it's at every fountain that you go to. Uh, but the CMOS is necessary, like vitamins and minerals. CMOS helped me through COVID. CMOS is that cure. CMOS, and it helps you keep your yang up. Yang. <laughs> Word gives you energy. Sorry, mama. Nah, I'm not sorry, mama. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be saying sorry, mama, to somebody else, but sorry, mama. But yeah, it it, it helps. It helps with the with the focus. It helps with your hair, your nails, your follicles. You know what I'm saying? It helps you with your libido. Yeah, for sure. Sea moss. Nudo. Nudo. Nudo is no more for me. Oh, it's okay. No nudo. It's yeah. yeah. New no. New no. <laughs> New no. Okay. No. 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 <laughs> Event space. For in a warehouse, could be you if you own a warehouse. Yes, it could be you up. if you want to. Yeah, that, like this right, like this setup, but with food, I think would. I don't think I know. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking for the warehouse space and Hush 2.0. All right, and uh, we're gonna after we after we finish the big three, we're gonna we're gonna give you a sneak peek at something else going on. But uh, guys, time for the big three. The big three, Mark. This is I'm gonna I'm gonna throw these things out there. You're gonna give me your top three for each one. Okay. Right? Top three, quick, concise. Ready? Three favorite restaurants. Oh my god! Not yours, please. Heard that? Uh, Crown Shy, which is in the financial district. They do a phenomenal job. Um, when I'm on Long Island, I will go to. Greenport, the Halyard. Shout out to Chef Stefan. And I can't say my house because I don't cook there no more. <laughs> A third restaurant. Ooh, I thought this would be easier for you. Nah, By the way, bro. Greenport Noah's is my place in Greenport. Greenport is the place, period. Greenport's great food. <sighs> great food. Listen, all my people, if y'all don't know, y'all got to get out east in yeah. the summertime. Forget about the Hamptons. Yeah. Forget about know, the Hamptons. Go, go to Greenport. Greenport is dope. Shout out to Greenport. Let's open up a Hush and Greenport. Pop up. Let's go. That's it. That's the third one. Hush and Greenport. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. Three favorite food trucks. Not yours. Um, what is it? What is it? Mata Taco. Dope. I'm going tacos. The the porky pig lady. Dope. And 
just because they always my. I'm gonna have to tie it between Mama's Garden and the big black food truck because okay. they're my peoples. Okay. Have you ever tried an Astoria the Souvlaki lady? No. She's on. Oh, 30. but shout out to Berea Taco and yeah, and then. It's all tacos, though, bro. Because then I got my boy, Chef Cordero. Shout out to him. He's in Westchester, and he got a taco joint, too. Okay. Crazy. It's all about the tacos. You got to try Sublaki Lady. Okay. She's I'm gonna incredible. Try. She's on uh, 30, 33rd and Dittmar's, right off of uh, the train station on 31st. 33rd and Dittmar's. She's got some kind of marinade for the pork that's like, uh, I don't know if she's the one that uses beer and lemon, okay. but, oh, Man. Okay. So Suvlaki good. lady. Suvlaki lady. Send me that link. I will. I will. Um, three moments in your life that humbled you forward. So when I say humbled you forward, obviously mm-hmm. moments that humbled you, but brought you forward to grow. Um, the first one would be. Marriott, Pennsylvania. I go there as a corporate task force. I played up. Like, I'm walking around there with swag. I'm 21 years old. Youngest guy on the corporate task force. Played up 300 uh, cheesecakes. Rolling them into the refrigerator. It's the night before the event. It's like 9 o'clock at night. It's my last task. I drop all of them. I drop all of them, trying to be superhero guy. We fixed it, you know, thank God for the cake company that we used. They were in PA, and I went and we picked them up, but humbled me forward, let me know. You can't do everything by yourself. Um, same thing, the closing of 291. Humbled me forward because I let, you know, I couldn't do things by myself. It's a constant theme with me. Um, But really probably humbled you later on, right? Because 291 closing wasn't really a big deal when it happened. No. Mm -mm. Because that was a conscious decision because you had Gerard Street, right? No. Yeah. I should have kept 291. I should have never shut the doors. I should have kept my team in yep. place they still some of them still hate me for the <laughs> facts shout out to torres shout out to chanti shout out to the big black food truck um yeah so no that humbled me forward and sleeping in my car for two months because i was homeless it's the first time i told anybody that you want to tell us when that was it was right after Right after uh, my barbecue joint wow. went down, because wow. they shut it, and that was of no none of my doing. They just right. wanted to shut it down. So, oh man, what so, a night that was! So, so to give up, to to give up, and I gave up Hush Huntington and MB Ramen ultimately. Yeah, to open up Fatwood because I thought. It'll be different here. I'll do it right here. I won't I won't do anything else. I'll just focus on the one. You know. Get back to the basic of it. Yeah, no. So yeah, being homeless. Wow. 
Wow, thank you for sharing that, man. <laughs> and by the way, Fatwood was, oh. Yeah. We went, by it the was, way, viewers, listeners, <laughs> we, Mark and I happened, we actually reconnected after a couple of years of not seeing each other. We were both on stage uh, at an event called LIEC. We were both on the same stage as the Shark, Damon John, doing mm-hmm. an entrepreneurship panel, which was dope. Um, great content that, that came out of that. Um, and then, you know, it was after, a couple of months after you would open up Fatwood, and I said, we'll go down there, me and the missus. We, we met you down there. Oh, man, it was so good. Yeah, we did it so right. So good. We and did it right. Very hush esque because it was small, it was personal, not too small, bigger mm-hmm. than hush, but but it felt small. It felt nice and cozy. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know? Well, that, that's what you wanted. And then, you know, that felt yeah. through too. But yeah. And it was just like, wow. And then since then, you know, I went, I went to go work at a hospital. Wow. <laughs> like that, that was just like that. And then that's when, you know, the little Levin Lesbian Holes was like, yo. And then the murder. The murder that the newspapers were just like, oh well, he doesn't know. What it, it had nothing to do with me. Yeah. But you know, and that's why people are like, yeah, why, why do you, why do you walk around the way you walk around? I was like, yo, I have, I have six different places. I was like, if if three hundred people go there to eat, I was like, they have twelve different dishes. I was just like, that's my reputation going out there every day. I was like, that's yeah. stressful. Yeah. Taking care of people is stressful. So yeah, you you feel a certain type of way, but it it humbled me in the fact that, you know. I knew I needed to do better for myself, and and that's that's what I did. And then realizing how banged up I was mentally, you know, because now you have time to sit, you have time to think, and you know, when 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 everybody's pushed away, when everybody's gone, you know, what I'm saying you can't you can't mask your flaws through another relationship. You know, if you're fractured, another relationship isn't gonna fix you. Like you you have to do that. So then being in another relationship. And then finally being in no relationship, then, yep. you, then you're able to focus and say, oh, shit, I'm a mess. I'm a mess right now. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's, but then that, with that said, like, then that helps you be, like, you thought you were a better business person? Like, no. Like, when you fix that fracture, oh, I'm a better business person, I'm a better brother, I'm a better, you know I'm saying, father, because, you know what I'm saying, now, now you're, you're going back to being a complete person because you're fixing was banged up yeah so your car runs better yeah all right let's let's close the the big three off with a with a with a positive one uh, all that was so amazing bro um three favorite meals that you have ever cooked oh that i've ever cooked yeah it's gonna be huh the ribs, of course, mm-hmm. because that's old magazine. Um, noodle, of course, mm-hmm. tonkatsu, jam. Uh, and then one time there was a person that came into the restaurant when we first opened, and they wrote us such a riveting review, and they said that the space between, no, the, what was it? The space, he said, I think I found heaven, and it was between... Mm. Yeah, yeah, this 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 crispy chin on this crispy skin. Say that five times fast. On that was the chicken. No. Oh, that was that was, that was hush. hush. Yeah. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember and, that. And and George George wrote that review. This guy right here. Mm-hmm. Oh, it man. was you. That was me. Oh yeah. man. So my my chicken at hush. Because oh, that, yeah, that was it. like that that review. Like my sister read me that review. She was like, "That motherfucker could write." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess this so. motherfucker can write, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen." <laughs> 
Guys, Chef Mark Bynum brought the honesty. Brought the honesty. I appreciate you so much, bro. Thank Likewise. you for doing this. Um, I feel it's important. Um, you know, when you go through some shit in life to for people to be able to hear everything, right? Uh, every side, because there's so many layers uh, behind the, the decisions we make, the things that have happened to us, the things we have done to ourselves. So I appreciate this honesty. I hope, my hope is that this helps somebody out there. Somebody can hear this and uh, whether it's from a mental health perspective, whether it's somebody young who is um, coming up in the business and, and wants to do great things. Uh, I hope that they can learn from this, become leaders in, in their industry. Um, you guys have just been lucky enough to to listen to whoa an hour and fifty minutes of yeah I just saw that the chef chef former amateur football player yeah uh, Daler yeah. um, Moss and an edible creator edible creator yes <laughs> I got I got some I got some uh, confetti cookies right now yeah they're great fashion icon Mark. In the making, Bottom. yes. In the making. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, brother. Let me just take care of some business here. Uh, this episode is going to go live on Monday. We're going to share it out everywhere, but I appreciate you, man. Thank I you. I appreciate you as well. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Guys, another episode of the LaunchCast brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Right there. You see that? Uh, join us every single Monday. We're back to Mondays. I, I'm not going to change what's working, right? We've always been Mondays. We're going to stay on Mondays. Every Monday, 6 a.m., Eastern Time, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, uh, iHeart, TuneIn, all of them, all of them. You could find us everywhere. We appreciate you, audience. Keep listening this season. We are going to keep bringing the fire. Actually, I'm going to bring Chef on one last time. I'm going to switch my glasses back to the Tony Stark joints. Right yeah, here. yeah. We are both going to look at the camera, and we are going to say that chopping it up with Chef Bynum is coming, right? Yeah, yeah. Chopping up with Chef Bynum. Chopping it up with Chef Bynum is coming. Check it out. Launchpad 516 Studios. We'll see you next week, guys. Yes, sir. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black hole. Into the black hole. The LaunchCast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Produced by Fabrizio Fugazi and executive produced by George Andriopoulos. Marketing and PR by Media Convergence. Theme song by Tommy Lungberg. Music and sound effects are licensed through Epidemic Sound. The LaunchCast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it, guys. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere else that podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, the host at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or follow the show at The Launchcast Show on Facebook and Instagram, or at Launchcast Show on Twitter. Visit our website, thelaunchcast.com, and make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. We'll see you next time, guys.